This is Anthropic, and welcome to the Stream Coach Podcast, the show that helps you step up your game as a professional live streamer. And now here's your host. She thinks it's disgusting when people mix their food together, Ashni Christ. Hello, streamers, and welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast, where we teach you to pursue your dreams and learn to stream. Whether you're streaming on Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, Facebook, or any other live streaming platform, we're here to give you tricks and advice for growing your stream and your life. And a big part of growing your life lies beyond streaming. So what are your plans for after you hit your streaming goals? What would you do if you felt like you had succeeded? And where do you want to end up after that? Many streamers use their platforms to transition into bigger goals. And for a lot of them, that bigger goal is hosting events. These could be esports events, which are LANs or online tournaments for professional gamers, promotional events created by gaming studios, esports or gaming reports produced by companies. You could even host for Twitch. Hosting is a really sexy career path for a lot of people, especially those that are new to the idea. I did a lot of acting in school, and so the first time I saw someone get on stage and present awards to gamers, I was completely stunned and I got really excited. I immediately thought it was going to be easy to get into it, but just like streaming and even acting, hosting is incredibly competitive. Some streamers see a host and think the same thing, or they think, wow, if I can just get on a stage, everyone's going to love me and my stream's going to explode. Getting on a stage will make my dreams come true. Uh." And I'm not going to lie to you, there is a rush that comes with being on stage. It's really exhilarating and a lot of fun. But if you're looking to use hosting to grow your own brand, it's probably not going to work out well for you. Hosting doesn't typically translate into creating a community, which I know is what most of you listeners actually do want to do. It doesn't really create like raving fans that are going to love and support everything that you do. So spending time cultivating a community is what actually does that. That's where you get those raving fans. And don't get me wrong, both of them take a lot of effort, whether you're hosting, building a community, acting, or even just streaming in general. It is a ton, a ton of work, as all good things are. So as you're going to hear in today's interview with Anna Prosser, hosting is a completely different skill set from streaming or podcasting. So if you really want to get into hosting, you need to spend time creating a reel or some kind of hosting portfolio, and you need to master the skills a dedicated host has. So let's learn about what those skills actually are and how we can pursue a hosting dream from Anna Prosser. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. Today with me, I have producer and host at Twitch, Miss Clicks co-founder, and part of the Waffle Crew from <laughs> Wizards D&D, former Miss Oregon USA, Anna Prosser. Hi! How are you, Anna? I'm so good. Thank you for inviting me on. This is like, I've never gotten to be on a podcast, I think, to just talk about the 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 business of streaming, I guess, just alone. And so I'm really, really excited about it. Thank you. Yay. I'm so excited to have you. You definitely, definitely are going to have some interesting input for us here, I think. So let's, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. So you've interviewed some amazing personalities just in pop culture in general, but like you've talked to Donald Glover, you've talked to Danny Pudi, Jessica Negri, worked with countless organizations as a media personality. And we see you on Twitch stuff all the time. So like hosting Twitch Weekly and teaching people how to host through the workshops with Twitch Studios. But we don't really know much about you. So <laughs> who was Anna before all of this on-camera work? Hmm. Uh, t- let's see. Who, who am I is like a big question, you know. But it is. It's I, very deep. <laughs> I'm from Portland, Oregon. So I'm a Pacific Northwest girl through and through. And I grew up doing a ton of performing art. Um, I was a really dedicated student. So I was really into learning. But then all of my free time was dance, singing, um, being on stage. And that continued throughout even up to my adult life until I kind of had to... Uh, devote everything to esports for a while. So um, my educational background is in speech communication and international studies with a minor in Spanish. So um, my focus as 
a kid was, well, as a kid through young adult, I guess, was always helping people communicate. And I think the reason that I loved performing was because you were helping communicate a story or a feeling. And I love the idea that that's kind of a translation in and of itself. So my dream job growing up was to be either a translator or a goodwill ambassador for the UN, who was also like a famous film or Broadway actress, you know, like a, like an Audrey Hepburn kind of person. So uh, jump by jump, I got like closer and closer to that. And I ended up here. That's awesome. That's a really interesting story. So you grew up, eventually you found esports and the gaming space, but how did that journey happen? Like how, what was it that you saw in the gaming world and you were like, oh, that's my place. Like I need to do that. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I first got introduced to esports by meeting the man who's now my husband, uh, Jeff Robinson in control. And we were on the speech and debate team together. We were co-captains of the speech and debate team, which is just like the nerdiest, most adorable. That's so cute. <laughs> uh, we were, yeah, I was the individual oh event captain, God. which is like persuasive speaking, um, performance art, like anything you're doing as a speech by yourself. And he was the debate captain. So um, I was always like, I don't like to argue. And now I married the person who was the, the king of the arguers. But um, we we met, we started dating, and he actually tried to hide from me for a while that he was a very successful StarCraft player. And back then, being a professional StarCraft player was like, maybe you won a TV now and then, maybe someone would fly you out to a tournament so you didn't have to pay yourself. You know, it was just very small. Um, but I thought that was just a bee's knees. I was so into it because I had always loved video games. It had been a large part of my life, um, family and socially, like connecting with people through video games. And so... I just thought it was really, really cool that he was one of the best, if not the best in the country. And so I got really into watching him play. And then I got really embedded in teamliquid.net, which was a community around StarCraft at that time. It was only about StarCraft back then. Um, and the power and passion of that community, I think is what really got me because you could put something out there. Like at one time I was raising money for charity and I put it in my Team Liquid blog. And I was like, hey, I'm just trying to raise $300. It's for this really good cause, here's why. I know it's not related to StarCraft, but like, you know, just thought you guys might want to know because you're good people too. And I know you care about making a difference on the world. Within 10 minutes, they had crashed the site because they had put so many donations in there. So it was like this feeling of, wow, this community has so much passion and power and can be harnessed for so much good. How can I kind of become a part of that and, you know, be be here at the kind of crest of this wave of this, this coming of age story of this community? And... Um, as I looked at that, I was like, I don't have the desire to spend the time that someone would to be a pro gamer, but I want to be involved in this pro gaming scene. So what can I do? And at that time, not very many people were doing video content or interviews. And so when someone was a famous player, the only thing you could really do to get to know them was watch their games, but you couldn't hear like their life story, but, you know, which is really what excites me. So I just started doing interviews. Um, for Team Evil Geniuses, actually, which Jeff played for. I just kind of was like, hey, you guys have a camera. Do you want me to just like hold a microphone and like ask some questions? And so I did that just to kind of start building a, um, content around these players because I liked them and wanted people to know about them. And little by little, I started doing that more and I started trying to get paid to do it more. And little by little, creating video content around gaming became my career. That's amazing. It seems like you were really there just at the perfect time to make all of this happen. And you had just this history of being a great communicator to help tell these stories. So that's really great. Do you feel like there's still a good opportunity for people that are interested in pursuing the path that you pursued? Or do you feel like because that wave has kind of crested or is kind of cresting. I don't really know like what level we're at in the gaming culture right now, but um, do you feel like there's still opportunities for people to pursue that path? Totally. I think when people, how do I put this? I was in the right place at the right time to a certain extent, but uh, that doesn't mean it was easier than it is now. I think yeah. people often ask me, you know, how do I, how do I get into a job in esports or how do I get your job or how do I break in, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think the same advice that I would have given myself back then still applies now, which is the first step is to know yourself, know your strengths. So I knew, hey, what I, I do well is I speak 
and I translate and I tell stories. So that's what I have to give best. And then look at the place that you want to go, the industry you want to be in or the community you're a part of and say, how can that strength fill a hole or how can it provide a benefit? Because if I'm like, hey, apple farmer, I want to make orange juice for you. He's not going to be like, you know, that's not useful. It's not going to go anywhere, no matter how much I really want to make orange juice and I work really hard, you know? So knowing yourself, finding that place where it fits. And then um, a combination of being very strategic in terms of putting in the work, you know, really doing things to um, show off your skills and prove yourself as opposed to just asking for opportunities. And then also networking. I mean, people, people don't like the fact that you have to know people and talk to people, but especially as a host and communicator and storyteller, it's so important to make connections with people and explain to them your value, you know? So, yeah. so those are kind of the three steps I always give people. And so to answer your question about, do you, do I think there's still room for people? Absolutely. I think the challenges may be different than they were for me. Um, but the benefit is that you don't have to kind of create the job. The job exists now. You just have to prove that you're the right person to put in it. Um, and I think the best ways to do that are often to just start doing the job you love so that you build up proof that you are someone that can do that job well. I love that. That's fantastic advice. And it's great, too, to just like start at the foundation mm -hmm. of all of that, right? Like you don't you don't just go from point A to point Z immediately. It's a process. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. And so let's kind of transition and talk about the beginning of that journey, because whenever I look at the content that you make, one thing that sticks out to me is just how comfortable you are on camera. Like you're really charismatic. You seem really genuine. Was this comfort just a natural thing that happened because of your personality or is this the result of practice? That's a really good question because I've actually asked myself that. I'm not positive, <laughs> but I know that I, I lucked into a childhood that put me um, on a stage a lot. So my mom was a, actually a speech teacher and constantly was putting me in things where I could um, give speeches. So I was very comfortable speaking in front of large groups of people by nature of just having done it my whole life. Um, on the flip side, the times when I got nervous most were when I cared a ton about impressing the audience I was in front of and was worried that if I didn't, I might not reach my goals. So for example, um, in college, I was in an elite dance group and I was so worried that um, I would fail at that dance and prove that I, I couldn't dance anymore, that I got really nervous. Or um, my, a lot of esports tournaments, even, even still esports tournaments that I host, if I don't know the community very well and I really want them to accept me and let me be part of their community. For example, I did, um, I've been doing Pokemon for the last two years and I was new to the Pokemon community when I first did that. And I was really like, I want the community to feel like I'm part of it. I want them to feel like I'm worthy of being on this stage. So that's when I get really nervous. Um, so to appear comfortable or make myself comfortable, I've just kind of developed, yes, practice. I mean, just doing it over and over is the best way. But then also a lot of strategies like mental uh, work strategies where um, I, I use a lot of strategies with the camera itself because I'm usually in front of a camera. A stage I'm usually a little bit better with because it's kind of a nebulous like group of people, but a camera can be, uh, it can represent so much. So I do a lot of work to personify cameras actually. I spend a lot of time like when I'm when I'm standing in front of a, a camera and I'm about to start an event, I'll look at the camera and I'll kind of name it in my head and give it a personality and usually say, oh, that this is, maybe this is weird, but it works for me. That's <laughs> loves me, wants me to succeed and is glad to see me. And so then that makes me, when I talk to it, it looks like I'm talking to someone who loves me and is glad to see me and wants to see me succeed. And I think that's what comes across as charisma and confidence. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's definitely like an old, um, I guess like just camera trick in general. You hear a lot of YouTubers say that, like, pretend like it's a friend, pretend yeah. like it's somebody, for, like pick out a person, the perfect just audience archetype of who you think your message is for, and then deliver it specifically to that one person. Otherwise, right. if you think about it as a camera and like, oh my God, thousands of people could be looking at me right now, it can get kind of 
terrifying at some point. Totally. But so, I think to your to your question, the mm-hmm. the biggest best answer, which is boring, is like yeah, practice. <laughs> Just yeah, doing it over and over again is is what makes you able to form the sentences you want to in the quick time that you need to to make you look poised. That's great. I love that. So not only are you comfortable on camera, right, but you're extremely charismatic. And like I said, you come across as like genuine and authentic. And we talked kind of about that trick that you use, which I think is amazing. But if someone is looking to grow on screen charisma and it's not necessarily like esports level, they're not trying to interview famous people like Donald Glover on a show floor. <laughs> what advice do you think is most beneficial for someone who's a little camera shy and needs help coming out of their shell? That's a really good question. Um, so someone who wants to improve their on-screen charisma specifically. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind which may be different from the advice that a lot of other people would give, so maybe that's useful, is uh, my background's in speech communication. So I spend a lot of time studying the science of how people communicate, and specifically around nonverbal communication and interpersonal communication. So how do two people or small groups of people communicate messages to each other even beyond what their words are saying? So this is a very scientific, very nerdy, approach, but if you look into some communication theory, like face negotiation theory, relationship maintenance, those kinds of things, they will actually teach you things that you do naturally as a human, but you don't realize you are doing. And once you know that, you can manipulate those things <laughs> to to give off certain messages that you want to. So even if I'm like, I'm feeling shy and scared, I can use nonverbal cues or questions to look like I'm not, if that makes sense. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. Right. (laughs) And then the other thing I would say that really, really helps me um, bring about that genuineness is I truly believe that most, if not all other people you meet, you can find some common ground with them. So I feel like when I get nervous or I feel like the charisma is not there, I look for what is the common ground that I have with my audience or what is the common ground that I have with this person I'm interviewing? What is the common ground that I have with the person who's interviewing me and get to the base of that, you know, live there until you kind of feel more comfortable. And in order to do that, I spend a lot of time before any um, major interview or before any major presentation thinking about what are the main messages that I want to get across whether that's about myself or about the community or whatever it is. And then I kind of have those in the back of my mind that if I get stressed, if I don't know what to say, I go back to those and start from there. That's amazing. It seems like it's very mindset oriented for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. It's, I mean, even whenever it comes down to streaming, right? I feel like that's such a huge part of the process of making content in general is do you believe in yourself? Do you think that you're going to succeed? Or do you think that other people are going to hate your content? Because your reality that you live in is based on the mindset that you have. So it's really important to have that positive success-based mindset, which it seems like you have, which is awesome. And it also relates to what you were asking about if somebody wants to have this job. I I really Mm -hmm. think that it's not going to work if you're like, wow, I want to be on screen talking as my job you're not going to get very far. You have to be like, I want to communicate something and it's important to me because it's so much work that you have to care about, about what you're doing (laughs) in it on a, a a heart level, you know? So I think you're right that it is very mindset. It's not just about like, I want to be in front of a crowd. It's about, I have something Mm -hmm. to say, or I believe in something that I'm, I'm communicating. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to talk a little bit more about hosting right now, too, because that's such a big part of what you do. And it's a very sexy path for a lot of people. (laughs) A lot of people see hosting and they're like, I want to stand in front of a crowd and have people love me. But (laughs) as you said, it's not that easy. It just isn't. So you've worked with Twitch studios to help aspiring hosts learn more just about the craft. And you've hosted countless events. And like I said, hosting is super sexy to a lot of people. And a lot of people want to be in your position. Like they want to be the next Anna Prosser, which is awesome. Like that's a that's a huge just l- amount of love that people are pouring towards what you've done. 
So if somebody wants to transition from streaming to hosting, where do you feel that they need to start with that? Mm, that's a good question. I think one of the songs that I sing over and over is, please, please for my sake, <laughs> appreciate <laughs> the difference between uh, a content creator and a host. Because I, mm -hmm. I've done both, I love both. Both are hard and rewarding and fantastic. And they have some overlap, but there's a huge difference between being a host of an event and being your own personality. I think people sometimes don't realize that. And when they're thinking it looks really sexy because being a host is, it's a support role. It's how do I help other people express themselves? How do I take a message that an organization wants and get that out? How do I put it through the vessel that is me and make it genuine and express somebody else's story? And that takes skills that don't necessarily apply to other performing art that take a long time to develop and are very scientific and very technical if you really, really dig down into it. I geek out about hosting. I do a lot of research <laughs> about it. I um, I think that it, it takes a certain skill set that is invisible to most people. Uh, and that can sometimes be very hard and very like disheartening if someone's like, oh, it's, you know, she just turns on a camera and she just talks and is herself and that's her job. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not. Um, so to answer your question, what should someone do if they want to make that transition? I think that it's really important to start looking at it as a, a separate skill set and then practice because it's also hard to be like, I'm going to read the textbook on hosting and learn it all. And then I'm going to try it. You know, a lot of it comes from practice. But I think once you have that mindset of like, I'm going to learn the skills I need. I understand it's a separate skill set. Now let me find one thing that I want to get really good at. Like I want to be really good at speaking um, impromptu quickly. So I'm going to practice by getting topics and speaking two minutes and recording myself and seeing how well I can do that. And then, and then, you know, uh, developing that, or I want to be really good at interviews. So I'm going to ask a friend if I can interview them and I'm going to record it, or I'm going to ask someone who I think is a good interviewer to let me interview them so that I can get, you know, those <laughs> kinds of things. So, and I think just my try trick. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, figured me out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think it's about like, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, identify the skills you want to get better at, do them, practice them, remember that you're going to have highs and lows, you're going to have peaks and valleys, it's going to take a long time. I don't feel like I have achieved perfect hostdom at all. I feel like I'm still working to improve myself every single time. I don't think any performing artist usually feels like they have it all figured out. So so yeah, I would say um, identify the first couple skills you want to you want to develop and then practice them. How would you say people figure out what those skills are? Should they just like go and read Red Eye's handbook? <laughs> did he make a handbook? Did he actually? Yeah, he did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah, he did. <laughs> I have not read that. Um, it's pretty good, actually. Uh, how should they figure out what skills they want to develop? Most of the ones that I now figure out that I want to develop are from watching someone I respect. So um, I was just watching uh, live with Ryan and Kelly or Kelly and Ryan, the, what used to be Regis and Kathy Lee and has now gone through a million iterations to be Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest, yeah. who I think are both fantastic hosts. And um, I was watching them do their morning monologue and analyzing their humor. Because humor is uh, one thing that I love and I want to do more of. And I'm I'm kind of known as a very serious, very professional, very formal host. Um, and I don't like that because I see myself as more goofy. And so I was analyzing every joke they made. I'm like, okay, how self-deprecating how self are they? How much do they make fun of themselves or the audience or like life in general? And how do they make that not feel mean at the same time? So I this is long winded because you have a host on your show, but yeah, <laughs> Do I it, think, go for it. I think that basically <laughs> the, the point of what I'm saying is you have to see it and imitate it, I think is the best way to find skills that you want to improve. Yeah, or absolutely. I mean, duh, ask for feedback. 
I think that's what I did a lot in my early career where I would either send someone a video and say, hey, I hope you like this video. I would really appreciate your feedback on it because I want to get better. Can you give me a few pointers? Because a lot of times maybe I can't identify the things I want to get better at. Um, or a lot of times too, if I didn't get a job that I wanted, I would message them and be like, hey, thanks so much for considering me. I totally understand that this time it didn't work out. I was wondering, is there anything that I could work on before next time that would make me a more attractive host to you because I want to work with you in the future? And I got a really, a lot of really good feedback from that of people being honest with me and saying like, here's the area where we decided you weren't the right fit for that, you know? And so I was able to kind of edit those things about me as a host. So would you re recommend people just record videos of themselves that they're at the very beginning and just practice hosting, just fake it? <laughs> I, think I mean, that's, that's a really important part of it. Before that, when uh, I used to run a business for communication consulting, so it was a lot of working with people who were being interviewed, but it also works for people who are interviewers or hosts. I think one of the most important things to do is sit down and spend a lot of time writing down things about yourself to identify why do I want to do this? Who do I think I really am? And what do I want to communicate about myself through my hosting? And what are my messages? Because once you have those things, then they apply to everything else. And it gives you kind of a guiding brand, if you will, to go through. So I would say practice, yes, in tandem with also spending the time to think about the why and the how and the who of yourself. Yes, that is so important. I feel like that's important for just content creation and hosting and just everything almost in life, right? It's just figuring out like, what do you want your personal brand to be? Especially if you aspire to be in front of a camera for hundreds, thousands of people, like knowing who you are and what messages you have is huge. Like that's some of the foundational work that you do that just sets you up to refer back to like at every point in your career like who am I oh I can just go back to this piece of paper that I spent 30 minutes on awesome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and putting questions on that paper like um who would my friends say I am yeah some of the most important things that have happened to me in my life you know those kinds of questions mm -hmm. that make you put it because those are things you know so it feels weird to ask yourself them but you realize that there are things that you have in your knowledge banks that you haven't pulled forward to help you like use and communicate in life. So writing them down really helps. Yes, absolutely. Just spending that time to figure it out is awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Um, you obviously had to hustle at one point quite a bit to kind of develop these skills and to get hosting jobs. So and part of that includes like creating opportunities, taking opportunities and eventually you have kind of blossomed into the position that you're in now. But for somebody who kind of wants to be on that path, how do they know which opportunities are the right ones? Mm, that is so hard. I think that was one of the biggest stresses of my early career was figuring out, do I, do I have to take this gig in order to get the next one kind of um, and if I don't get this one, is it going to keep me from getting the next one? I think the advice I would have for young me or for anyone who's in that position is just like, have faith and don't worry too much. Because I spent a lot of time being like, if I don't get this one tournament hosting gig, I'm never going to get another one. And, uh, and it, it was unnecessary because there's always going to be another opportunity. However, I will say that Thinking strategically about long-term relationships with people you want to work with is important. Um, and working on things that may not be compensating you fairly at first is unfortunately sometimes a necessity, but this is where the scale really comes in, is where it's like, how much benefit am I getting from working this job and is it fair? So if I'm a very, very young host and I get... Uh, young in terms of experience. And I get a job that's hosting a major esports tournament that's going to put me in front of like hundreds of thousands of viewers or something. And they're like, oh, we want to pay you a, a very minimal amount. I hate ever letting a host work for free because what they have is valuable. Their skill set is valuable. It's a product that should be paid for. However, 
as a young host, if I'm going to get that much exposure and I feel like I want that and it's worth it to me, I should do that. So this is, this is why it's a really frustrating question because a lot of times <laughs> people want the answer of like, never work for free or like always work for free if it's worthwhile. You know, there's never a good like always answer to this. I would just say, um, again, take the time to think about your value and the actual quantity of all of those those compensation pieces that you're getting and figure out whether they're worth it. Um, and then also don't be afraid to ask for more. That's the thing too, is that a lot of people feel like, oh, I was offered this kind of small rate. I feel like if I ask for more money, then they'll see me as ungrateful or maybe they like won't wanna work with me or it'll cause drama. As somebody who now hires hosts, if ever someone comes to me and is like, hey, my rate is a little higher than that. I was wondering, can you work with me? My response is never like, how ungrateful. It's <laughs> good for them for asking. Thank you for being polite about it. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. Is that okay? You know, it's it's a business. And I think people need to, people need to value their product. So um, the question of what gig to take and what gig not to take. Ask yourselves the questions, what is this worth to me? How much joy does it bring me personally? Because if it doesn't bring me any joy, then it's it's torture and probably not worth it. And then what comes after this gig? Um, do I get video footage for my reel? Do I get a relationship with these people that I'm working with? Do I have enough money to invest in a new piece of equipment to make more video content do i just get to pay my bills you know <laughs> ask yourselves the the what comes next question and that usually helps me decide whether it's the right time to take that gig or not yeah and competition is a big aspect of this too like there are constantly people that are going for similar positions and with the introduction of Twitch studios, I feel like so many people saw hosting and the path to hosting in a way that had never been done before. Like nobody had ever just seen a clear path, like now I can finally be a host, cool. <laughs> so it's kind of become more accessible for people. So how do you stand I out? <laughs> I know, it's so cool. I saw Twitch studios and I was like, yes, I wanted them to do this. This is amazing. That was kind Such of my baby, idea. so it's really good to hear that. <laughs> Uh, it's so it was so incredible. I'm all about like education, obviously, <laughs> and just enabling people and helping them as much as possible. So that was just a huge like just purple heart for me whenever that happened. So how does an aspiring host stand out among all of these other people that are going for these positions too? Hmm. That's the age old question, isn't it? <laughs> when I'm looking at people who stand out to me as hosts, I'm looking for people who have flexible technical skill, meaning I've seen them handle difficult situations because ultimately the whole point of a host is to make an audience feel comfortable and communicate messages. And a lot of times in our industry, there are things that come up that make an audience worried, you know, uh, uh, or, or someone who's being interviewed says something that you really don't want to follow up on and you want to move on to something different. Those, those challenges that require technical skill and flexibility and quick thinking, I'm looking for those things. Because if I can trust a host, that takes a ton of pressure off of me as a producer. If I'm like, I know they can handle it. I don't have to cut the feed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm looking for that. I'm also looking for people who are good to work with. And that's a problematic thing to say, because what can be heard when I say good to work with is you have to get along with everybody or your personality has to be a certain way. And that can really dig deep into like some unconscious bias and problems there. Um, but what I mean by that is when you're on set, when you're on stage, there are going to be high stress situations and there are going to be challenges and things are going to be suboptimal at times. And I need to know that the person I'm working with can help me keep that energy calm and productive and professional. That doesn't mean that they have to be a certain kind of person. It just means that when it comes down to the clutch, I know that they'll work with me to make something positive come out of anything that negatively might come up. Um, I'm also looking for someone who has that X factor, which is so frustrating to hear because <laughs> if, you, if you're trying to have an X factor, it's undefinable by 
definition. Um, what I look for when I'm looking for X factor is, do I feel like I want to know this person more? Do they make me feel uh, like I want to lean forward as opposed to lean back? Do they, um, are they bringing the best out of other people as opposed to trying to take all the attention on themselves? Um, because that's really the trick as a host. It's not the same as being an actor or um, a, a streamer in general sometimes where it's all about like, how do I entertain with my own personality? It's how do I, how do I help others tell their story? So there's a lot of things that kind of form into that like je ne sais quoi of what makes a perfect host. But for me, it boils down to technical skill, professionalism, and a charisma or a, um, an invitingness. And that's even a great practice list, like we talked about earlier, for someone to focus on if they're kind of newer. So that is awesome. Now, my next question, I feel like I have to ask because I have such an amazing interviewer here. <laughs> so as somebody who also interviews people, how do you conduct a really great interview, whether that's on a show floor or in a podcast like this? I like to think about it backwards because I've spent so much time coaching people on how to be interviewed that that really informed me on how to give good interviews to try to get them to give good answers. Um, and I usually draw, I draw a diagram of this during the hosting workshop. It's kind of my like patented structure that I used to use when I, I had my business doing this. Um, but I think that the, the quote unquote perfect answer to any question has at its center a meaning. Um, so if you ask me what is the best, um, I don't know, what's your favorite color? Let's even go with that. Something super bland, right? Um, it's saying like it's green is not an interesting answer. But if I say it's green because I'm someone who always wants to be growing and green is the symbol of growth, it even reminds me of when I was a kid and I used to live near a forest and I would always go there to be with my thoughts and try to, you know, think about how to, to grow bigger, stronger and better. And so that's what makes green my favorite color. So I took a completely mundane question that probably wasn't very interesting. And I told you a meaning about myself that I always want to be someone who's growing. I told you a story about, my life that makes you feel more connected to me an anecdote which is i used to go to the forest and look at the green trees and then i gave you the answer green and the why because it symbolizes growth so for me those are the four things that a perfect answer has in any given order is answer why meaning and i call it anecdote but it's also kind of just a symbol of, of a way to draw someone in the reason for all of that is you have to answer the question because otherwise you're not playing the game you have to give a why because everyone wants proof. Everyone wants a, a, to understand you, why that you're at answering that. The meaning is because why are you even answering anything if it's not to give someone insight about yourself or about what you're talking about? And the anecdote is to create connection, um, meaning you may track with me about like green symbolizes growth and I'm someone who grows, but you probably don't actually connect with me until I find something to give you a visual image of or something that you may also have experienced. Like you may have also gone to the forest. You may also have a childhood where you remember certain places where you escaped, you know, connection. So to circle back to your question about how do you give a really good interview, I seek out all four of those things whenever I ask someone a question. So if I'm like, why did you uh, choose that draft in, the next, in that last game? That's a pretty technical question, but even then it could be like, why is it important to you to have an aggressive strategy? Uh, when have you in the past made decisions like this where it paid off? Who at home is watching you and may have, you know, been scared to see you make that decision? You know, asking those questions that are getting at those pieces of a question, even when the answer seems very straightforward, help you feel really drawn in. I love that. And it also shows just like the depth of human beings, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people kind of struggle with 
unlocking that depth in themselves, whether they're newer or smaller creators, because it makes you vulnerable. And that vulnerability can be really scary because there are trolls and mean people on the internet. And you think they'll hate you and never watch your content again. But it's so important to have that depth to get people to just attach themselves to you because then they start seeing themselves in you and they see the similarities. And it's just a beautiful thing. Like, highly encourage everyone to just be more vulnerable and show that side of themselves. So I have just a couple more questions here. So what could a broadcaster do best to leverage their community? Hmm. And you're, you're talking about in this, the sense of if a streamer wants to become a host or just in general, let's do just in general. Actually, I feel like hosting is, is definitely, important and I feel like it's very like I said sexy for a lot of people but a lot of people have other aspirations right Mm -hmm. I think the best thing that someone can do to leverage their community depends a lot on those questions that we've been talking about asking ourselves which is Mm -hmm. what do I want to accomplish what do I see as important in the world if for example what I really lean into is I want everyone to feel welcome and included And that's because I'm someone who wants to feel welcome and included. And something I would say maybe my deepest fear is not being welcome or included. And so when I identify those things about myself, that informs my mission, which is make other people feel welcome and included. So the best way to leverage my community is to teach them how to make people feel welcome and included and ask them to teach others. And I often say that I think one of the most important things you can do with a Twitch community or any online community is make sure that the people who are in that community are as invested in the mission and norms of the community as you, the leader of the community are, because you can say it till you're blue in the face, but you need other people to help you spread those norms and keep those rules. And that's how any society works. And the many societies of Twitch are no exception that, uh, you know, everyone has to agree on on the mission and the rules for it to really come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. So how would you deal with somebody who's a little toxic hanging out in your community then if you're toxic or if your community is focused on making sure that everyone feels welcomed and included? That's a hard one because it also depends on the broadcaster. I've had a lot of talks with people about emotional energy and emotional labor. And so I tend to be a person who has a lot of emotional energy and feels good about expending emotional labor, but that doesn't mean that everybody should. So for me, when someone comes in and is toxic, I really like to engage with those people and give them a chance to see that their behavior is hurtful. And most of the time when I'm able to do that, those people will be like, oh, gee, I've never had the individual attention of the broadcaster when I was being trolly and toxic before. It's nice that they saw me as a human and they wanted to engage with me. I'll try to behave better. And then I convert people who are toxic into potentially people who will also put those norms on other people because once they've agreed to it, they will want others to agree to it. However, A, it's not necessarily the responsibility of the broadcaster to take on every toxic person. B, sometimes that's not scalable or feasible and sometimes the behavior is too bad to be engaged with. So in those situations where someone comes in and says something that is not even, I don't even want it to be addressed. I don't want us to spend time talking about it. It's completely inappropriate. That person is out. Zero tolerance, you know, because I also have a responsibility to protect my community from toxicity, from Mm -hmm. statements or actions that would make them feel unsafe. So it's a, it's a nice edge as a broadcaster, right? Where it's like, as long as I feel like the investment in the the dialogue can be positive for all of us, I will do it. If I feel like I either can't manage it personally, or it's going to cause more harm to my community to allow that behavior to even be addressed, then it's just gone. Twitch has a lot of really amazing tools now with AutoMod and um, a lot of the other tools you can use to kind of keep things safe. And I use those, like I have AutoMod at the highest setting. I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. It's definitely a, a judgment call based on the emotional 
just energy reserves of the leader of the community for sure. Mm -hmm. So my last question here is what are you excited for whenever it comes to the future of your career? Mm. Stream on is going on right now, which is our game show for streamers. And that's something I've been working on for a long time. So it feels good to have the season almost completed so that we can look back and learn a ton from it and potentially make more things like that that will help people learn and develop their careers doing what they love. So from a producer standpoint, I'm excited about that. From a personal standpoint, I've identified that because, um, well, let me back up. My outlook on career growth has always been, think about your dream career, which like I said, is that like being a Broadway and film actress and also a goodwill ambassador for the UN and et cetera, et cetera. And then think, is my next career move taking me one step closer to that or one step away from that? And that, that's what helps me make the decisions in paths of my career. Um, I've made a lot of steps that got me closer to that through esports. Like I'm on camera a lot more. I have a community that I can speak to. I feel like I can do a lot of good. I can um, support charity initiatives. I can um, speak for people who may not feel welcome. You know, those are a lot of things that really apply to that end goal I had. Um, on the flip side, I've had to sacrifice doing a lot of performing art. I have never done, um, I haven't done a lot of like singing or um, acting, you know, things that I've kind of pushed aside in favor of being a host. And I don't regret that at all. But so next thing for me is investing a little bit more in that fine art side of my career. I just finished setting up, well, I just moved. So all everything is in shambles, but I have everything I need to make a more fully built out creative streaming station. And so I'm going to hopefully spend my free time doing things that are a little bit more on the um, artistic creative side. Because like I said, I've spent so much time kind of on the the art of the technical side, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So yeah, from a, um, a professional level, I'm really excited about helping other people make what they love into their careers. And on a personal side, I'm really excited about getting some time to be more creative in my performing art. That's awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into the Q&A now, guys. If you have any questions for Anna about hosting events, esports, growing a community on Twitch, whatever your little heart desires, this is your chance. And that really resonates with me, by the way, because I used to do a lot of cosplay. Mm. So just that, <laughs> that creative side of streaming for me was really fun for yeah. a long time. Yeah, and it's funny how how easily you start to believe that you can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just, I hate that. I just, I realized I bought into this lie of like, I'm not a good singer anymore. Or like, maybe I was never a good actor and I need someone to help me do those things. Otherwise I can't do them alone. And it actually took Dungeons and Dragons community and oh, nice. other experiences <laughs> for me to realize like, no, those are lies that I made up and I have mm -hmm. to get over them myself as opposed to waiting for someone to pull it out of me, you know? Yeah, totally. Mine has been, I'm too old to cosplay. Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's <laughs> I'm like 28, one. like, oh, what? I know that one too. That's yeah, a hard it one. Sucks. It sucks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce wants to know pancakes or waffles. Well, if you watch Dice Camera Action, you know I'm obligated to say waffles. Yes. <laughs> but Waffle in general, crew. <laughs> any brunch food is 100% A-OK -okay with Anna Prosser Robinson. Yes. Dude, waffles all the way. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm turning down pancakes, though, because that's not happening. No. I mean, both, right? Yeah. Why, Why no not both? made a waffle pancake sandwich? Don't you think that'd be delicious? Oh my god! Like, put a pancake on either side of a waffle. Why has no one yes. ever done that? Yes. Did we just that break brunch? I think that needs to be a thing. It could be like, like a a double decker burger, but it's like waffle, sausage, egg, cheese, pancake. <laughs> this is really good. We're we're really good together. I, I think we need to open up a brunch place. Yeah. I also really like peanut butter on my waffle. So I was thinking like peanut butter and syrup on either side of the waffle with a pancake on top. Done. Yeah. Done. I'm really into it. 
how can we package those for mass production? Mm, I don't know. Maybe it'll have to be more bespoke, like a, a bed and breakfast makes them. That's true. Uh, oh, Glitch wants to know, how would you transition from hosting a podcast to hosting on a main stage? Mm, that's, yeah, they're very different. Mm-hmm. The difference, I would say, in how I use my voice is there's a lot more projection on a main stage. You have to manufacture a lot more energy. They all, I often say a camera takes 10% of your energy away. So if you think like, I'm being so energetic right now, <laughs> it doesn't, it, you feel at least 10, if not 30% more energy than you're actually giving. So especially on stage, you have to pump that up even more. You also have to think about body movement, where if I'm on a podcast, you only are really seeing this much of me and even rarely seeing my hands unless they're here. On stage, you have to think about your whole body. How are your feet moving? How are your hips moving? Are there any repetitive movements you're making? When you motion to something, how are you pointing? This is a weird thing that you don't think about, but especially in in certain cultures, the way you point is really important. Mm -hmm. How are you making those motions fluid? How are you directing people on stage? One thing that you'll see me do a lot on stage, um, if you're looking closely, is that a lot of times, especially esports players, don't know where they're supposed to stand on stage. So you get really good at like the flight attendant, like here, here, and (laughs) barely touching people and kind of moving them around. So I think uh, the physicality and the energy level are really important. And then also thinking about um, the difference between an online audience and how they're experiencing your content versus an in-house audience and how they're experiencing your content. Because someone at home is probably doing other things and probably um, listening to you in a way that's a little bit more passive. So you may need to make other interesting things happen there where someone who's staring at you on a stage is like, you have to entertain me, otherwise I have nothing else to do, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Thinking about those things. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Wasabi wants to know who are some of your favorite streamers? Ooh. Oh, I love this question. Why didn't I ask this? All Dang. of the stream on participants equally are my favorite. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> Good call out. In Control TV is my husband. I think he's a great streamer. I'm partly a producer for his stream, so I'm biased. Um, man, I hate this is here. You found a weakness of Anna, which is I am horrible when you ask me about favorites favorite movie, favorite anything. I cannot commit to a favorite. Um, so I always default to my husband because it's like the obvious <laughs> answer. But I do, I I was being facetious, but I really do, like all of the stream on participants um, were chosen from over 200 applicants. And they were chosen by a committee of over 20 people here at Twitch. And I got to be part of that process and watch them be chosen. And I think that the decisions were very well made. I think they were all really compelling, really fun, really interesting streamers who are good examples of streaming on Twitch. So if you want to check any of them out, you can go to streamon.twitch.tv and all of them are in a grid there. You can click on all of them to go to any of their channels. That's awesome. Stream on is ending soon. Mm-hmm. So go check them out. Um, Mr. Magoo said, hi, I'm about to start streaming and I'm super nervous. What can I do to stop being so nervous? Thank you for what you do. It helps greatly. Oh, very sweet. That is. And I'm so excited (laughs) for you to start streaming. Um, And those are hard questions because nervousness is such an individual thing. So the only thing I can give you is a couple tips and tricks. Um, I think that personifying the camera is one important thing puts put someone in there that loves you and that you don't have to be nervous with and speak mm-hmm. to that person for the first few times like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast um maybe try practicing a few times before you go live just to have it already done so you don't have to worry that like you'll get stuck um and also i would say just people get so caught up on doing their first stream or their first few streams or their first time at anything perfectly and you just can't no one's ever going to be perfect this interview Mm -hmm. is perfect no podcast is perfect you're gonna mess up and people are going to love you anyway because that's kind of why streaming exists we like watching people be real and be themselves and make mistakes and be flawed and be whole Mm -hmm. and be human and if we didn't, we'd watch soap operas, you know? Yeah. So release yourself from that feeling of needing to be perfect. Expect to make mistakes and rejoice in those mistakes because that's what makes you 
engaging and that's what helps you learn. I'm obsessed with that message. (laughs) I love that so much. Kimberly is live wants to know what tips would you give to someone trying to find or cultivate their brand? Mm. Love it. Yeah. I am so resistant to the idea of brand because Mm -hmm. I'm someone who hates to be confined or put in a box. For example, uh, I do a lot of fashion posting and my fashion is all over the place. One day I'm like professional, the other day I'm in athleisure. You know, I hate being defined. Um, So for me, when I'm trying to define my brand, I go back to those questions about who I am. And I think less about like, what am I presenting? And I think more about what's important to me. So for example, the reason that fashion is important to me is because communication is important to me. And I like to express myself and I like to encourage other people to boldly and courageously express themselves. So that helps me understand what my brand is. My brand is not a certain type of clothing. My brand is express yourself boldly. And that's why I post fashion. So if you're trying to develop and cultivate your brand, I would look for questions. And I, I almost like, I wish I had brought, I have some worksheets that I made about this, but like I said, what (laughs) I'm making those too. Really? I've literally been like, yes, I would love to see those. But just questions, like I said, about what are some of the most important things that you want other people to know about you? What, um, what messages would you want to share with others? What experiences have you had that changed you? What, um, and honestly, the exercise of just asking yourself why at least five times on anything. Like I just did, where I like posting about fashion. Why? Because I like to express myself. Why? Because I want to feel included and I want to feel like other people care about me. You know, you know, asking yourself that a whole bunch of times about anything that you believe in will help you express it in multiple different ways. I love that. Love that. Where was the next one? I just lost it. Uh, oh, what do you do when someone that you are interviewing is not energetic at all? Do you adjust your energy to compliment them or keep your energy the same with all interviewees? Definitely adjust my energy to every ind- individual I'm interviewing, 100%. It doesn't work to try to force your energy on someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, some communication theory you can check out is um, code switching is a really good one to know about. Um, basically, I'm going to butcher it to try, by trying to shorten it, but basically the idea is that in order to make someone feel comfortable and get them to um, engage with you, changing the way that you speak to mirror the way that they speak will help pull them out. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot more to that that can be positive and negative and all of that, but um, I 100% always try to talk to someone a little bit before I interview them so I can get a sense mm-hmm. of how is their energy feeling so that I can make them feel safe? Because if you make them feel safe, then they'll talk. I love that. How do you balance, this is a personal question because I love the the energy mirroring aspect, but how do you balance it if you feel like the energy that you're mirroring is just so opposite your own like natural state, right? Because it starts to make you feel like you're disingenuine. That's a really good question. I should clarify that I don't mean whatever they do, you do it back because mm-hmm. that definitely won't serve you as an interviewer because a lot of times you're interviewing someone who's kind of in the like, up, that kind of state and you can't mirror yeah. that. That's not going to work. One example that I like to give is I used to do a ton of in- interviews with Idra, who is a StarCraft player who was well known for kind of having a bad attitude and also for being very like straightforward and scientific and I'm a little more like let's talk about our feelings Um, and so working with him a lot taught me how to use my genuine interest in him and my ability to listen to make him feel comfortable expressing himself more in the way that he was. So I guess what I'm trying to say is once I figured out his style, it wasn't that I mirrored his style directly. It was how do I make a safe space for that style? Um, Someone who wants to speak very technically and maybe doesn't want to talk about their feelings and wants to feel safe talking about what they want to talk about. How do I create the space for them? So um, I used the parts of my personality that I thought would make him feel most safe so that it didn't feel disingenuous for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect answer. So this is going to be the last question. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is such a such a cute question. Okay, how does someone get as big as Co Carnage? I've been streaming on and off, and I'm not getting anywhere. Do you have any advice? And how can I make social media effective? Mm. There's so much to unpack in that question. I know it's so difficult. The first piece of advice I give you is similar to what we've been talking about with people being like, I want to be a host. How do I be a host like you? That's skipping a lot of steps. So instead of trying to get big like co-carnage, think about how do I achieve my goals and what are my goals and why do I want to be as big as co-carnage? Is it because I want to reach a lot of people? Is it because I want to make a lot of money? Is it because I think that my, what I have to say is important and I want everyone to listen, you know, identifying those things about yourself will help you clarify your goals. And those will help you make decisions that will help you reach those goals. Just wanting to be co-carnage will never work because Mm -hmm. he's co-carnage already. So first of all, I would say clarify your goals. Mm -hmm. Second, I would say some of the things that co specifically does well are consistency. He is always there when you expect him to be there. And as streaming kind of works like an interpersonal relationship where you want to see someone every day, you want to tune in and have them there. That really builds a lot of loyalty and a lot of kind of like uh, intimacy, I guess. And he also is relentlessly positive while still being genuine, meaning he's not putting on uh, an act to try to seem like go carnage he genuinely believes in what he's doing you know uh, at least he seems to and and from conversations with him i think he does so uh i would say if you want to emulate some of the best parts of him consistency and positive vulnerability are two things you can imitate then how do you make social media work for you a uh <laughs> You know how I was saying, please, please, for me, recognize that hosting is a specific skill set and that it, it deserves respect and uh, it takes practice. Social media too, same thing. It is a completely different skill set. I am not an expert in it. Uh, what I have learned is that there are, there are techniques that will get you engagement. There are techniques that will get you click through, meaning like if I post about my stream, someone will click on it and they will come to my stream. And There's also the side of it that's like, why are you using social media and what do you want to use it for? Because for me, a lot of it is I want to share myself with my community. So I want to be genuine. So it doesn't matter whether I get click through or engagement. It matters more that I feel like I express myself and they receive that message positively. So again, I'm a broken record, but (laughs) think about why you're using it and then uh, figure out how to make it work for you to achieve those goals. I think people are too often like, how do I get to Z, as you put it? Right. And you need to be thinking like, what's A, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That foundational work is so, so, so important. And a lot of people want to skip it because they're like, oh, you have to be consistent. Okay, I get it. Next. Yeah. But it's like, no, you have to put in the work to actually be consistent. You have to like show that over and over and over and over until you can consistently get people coming back into your stream and expecting you and start growing relationships. And then once you've built on, once you've built consistency, then you can build on that consistency and go for like, you know, quality or or vulnerability or whatever the next step is because everyone's steps are different. But uh, we're going to go... I tend to be an academic, you know, where Mm -hmm. like, if I'm like, how do I make social media work for me? You can Google that and find so many amazing scholarly articles about how social media works. People have studied that scientists and you can look at their work. That's the, the, the wonder of the internet. Same thing about hosting, same thing about online communities. There is research out there that can give you these answers. And so a lot of times it's, can you devote an hour a day to learning these things and being very strategic about them. Um, and do you want to? You can, can you? Can you even give that consistency? And if you can't, what can you give? And what's special about you that's different? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it kind of scary that like some of the wealthiest, most intelligent people in the world are literally running research to figure out how they can keep our attention longer for like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Like they're trying to take over our brains. Did you see the video today of Google Assistant making a phone call? 
No, what? Yeah, yeah. Google Assistant can now call and make appointments for you and sound like a real human. It's pretty. Oh incredible. my god. <laughs> I love this, but on the like, I love it, and I also have the side of me that's like, that's really scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they're trying to manipulate me. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're doing it, and I love it. I'm gonna keep letting them do it. But <laughs> yeah. Welcome our overlords. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm gonna stick around and just hang out with everyone and answer some more questions. I know you have a long day ahead of you, and I want to be respectful of your time, but. Thank you so much for coming on. I personally learned a lot. I know this was really helpful for everyone else and they're going to love this in podcast form. So <laughs> thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I love talking about this stuff and I really appreciate all of your kind words. So thank you. Yeah. If you ever want to like talk about this again, feel free, please. I'd love to have you back on the show or even just like girl talk. Yeah. It'd be awesome. And don't forget to send me those worksheets. Yes, totally. I will. Hype. All right. Well, I will talk to you later, Anna. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you helped a lot of people and you've actually really inspired me to research a few of the things that you talked about that I've never really looked into. So I'm really excited. I'm all about learning and researching and growing as much as I can. So thank you so much for that. Now, just like Anna said during the interview, if you really want to get into hosting, just go after it. Start making videos, start practicing, eventually make a hosting reel. It's like anything else in life. I firmly believe like all people come up with clever ideas. Everyone has goals, but you don't reach your goals unless you take action. And so few people actually take action on the ideas that they have. It's incredibly important that you don't become one of those people that looks back at their life and regrets that they didn't go after the things that they wanted. Like none of us want that, right? We don't want to get to the end and think, "Welp, I should have worked harder for this thing that I was really passionate about." So before we go, I do want to say a huge thank you to our newest patrons, Lisa Fortescue and Zobi. Every time we get a new patron, I'm really just like humbled and honored and so super excited. I'm absolutely loving the family that we're building over at Patreon and I go on the Discord every day and I'm just so inspired. So I'm going to start talking about our patrons during the show and there might even be some opportunities to have your stream promoted if you are a patron. If you'd like to sign up and support the show, we'd love to have you. We have a Discord and a ton of patron-only perks like monthly industry news posts, monthly hangouts, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, patron-only podcast. It goes on and on and on. You can join us over at patreon.com slash ashneychrist. And if you join before the next episode, you're going to hear your name on the next show. What? That's so exciting. So thank you all so much for spending time with me today. Next week, we will be speaking to DJ Knight about how he streamed for 1,000 days straight. That is crazy. That is such a huge accomplishment. And he gives a lot of really great advice in that interview. I'm really excited for you to hear. So don't miss it. I will see you next week. And don't forget to take action and actually go after your dreams. Thanks for listening to the Stream Coach Podcast. See you next week.